0: Good evening and welcome to episode 76 of The Winning Agenda. Tonight our panellists include 2014 Australian National Champion and 2014 World's Top 16 Competitor Jesse Marshall. Hello. 2015 Regional Champion and 2015 Australian National's Top 8 Competitor Wolfie Uh And I'm your host Brian Holland and today we're just going to talk briefly about our recent Store champ season. I know it's still going for a lot of places but uh, we've all had a pretty good chance to dive in and experience a few. Wolfie has won one. Jesse, you won one this past weekend I believe?
1: Yeah, it was good yeah. fun.
0: How'd that go for you? After a string of uh, unsuccessful and tiresome top fours, you you finally managed to bash through there?
1: Yeah, so it it was nice to finally get there in the end. Unfortunately, uh, it was against one of our good friends, Sammy, who's also had quite a few top four finishes this season, so hopefully he can also get there, and one of the remaining um, store champs, and also you yourself, Brian, you've had you know, oh, yeah, three top fours. Uh, yeah, three, something like and, that, yeah. probably.
0: You know, who keeps count? Um, <laughs> but, but how is the meta played out? How do we think? Do we, do we think it is the same as what we predicted uh, several weeks ago, at least around in the last couple of store championships? that I played, I I saw an extreme decline in Faust, and I'm not sure if that's just because some of the people that were playing just wanted to play something different, or if there was a number of players that already won store championships, so they weren't playing as competitively as they'd like. Uh, How do you guys feel about it? Wolfie?
2: Um, Yeah, I think that's a fairly reasonable thing to note, and most people in the various internet spaces I've been reading have been saying the same thing. And I mean, it's hard to tell whether it's because people people actually think that Faust is no good now, very unlikely or whether people yeah are just kind of sick of playing faust all the time even though it's so good and so i'm not exactly sure what we can conclude from that other than it's when other than the fact that when there's one deck or one uh series of decks which are fairly similar that have that are as strong as they are right now, and obviously as strong as they are, that kind of has, maybe not detrimental, but a sort of effect on the tournament scene, which is not really what we would expect from in when this isn't the case. Like, it's not necessarily the case that it's like the worst thing in the world that this deck is good, but if lots of people have decided that they just don't want to play this deck... Um, because of factors other than how good it is, then that does, that does have to be taken into consideration when selecting your corp deck, especially even if you do think that in an ideal world or whatever, most people would, more people would be playing Faust than they are now, so maybe decks which are not so good against Faust are still good even though maybe club decks which are not so good against Faust are a bit better now to take to a store championships. Obviously, I still don't recommend playing a deck that you think is actually bad against Faust, but it's a far cry from seeing 100% Faust penetration, like we might have thought in Doomsday scenarios.
0: Yeah, especially in the last few store championships I've I've played in where there's been less Faust. we have actually seen a better performance across the board from the Food Coats decks, which I'd since stopped playing because I was sick of Faust and David blanking on my servers. Uh, Jesse?
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting with Netrunner that even though Faust David is probably the best engine, Faust David with Wild Cakes, um, the other engines are close enough in power that you can still get away with playing them Uh, and because I think people have a lot quicker burnout with playing the deck that's in vogue uh, and the other decks are close enough in power level you do see a lot more shifts in the metagame more quickly than you might expect given that as you say you call it an ideal world willfully we might call it in a world where everybody is an entirely rational being and doesn't bring any emotion to bear on their decision whatsoever Um, In that world, more people would probably be playing the Faust decks because they probably are the most efficient and best decks in terms of power level. Um, and have the least answers on the Corp side in terms of what the Corp player can do to try and beat you. Uh, I think probably the Noise variant that you played at the start of the Store Champ season still sticks out to me as the best of those because it's the most disruptive of the widest variety of Corp decks. Um, But yeah, even in a world where those are the best rational choices, a lot of people are still making the choice to play other runner decks and that's quite an interesting phenomenon, as you note. Um, And I think that, for me, what that boils down to, certainly in terms of my choice... Uh, to keep playing Kate, is that it's close enough in power level and I'm familiar enough with it as a strategy that I think that that makes it a better choice for me.
0: Mm, Yeah, like it's not worth uh, cracking out of Valencia just because you know, you've know you seen a list online which is really good uh, with Faust and Wild Cakes and Valencia, but you also get to play Blackmail, and that list might be very good, and I'm, I'm sure it is, but it's probably not worth the caveat of having to learn to play that kind of deck as opposed to this Kate deck that you've been piloting for quite a, long, you know, a very
1: long time. So that, I, I guess, goes back to our earlier discussions about deck choice in terms of your familiarity and your particular skill with a deck versus the deck's power, and that's a really, really hard thing to balance. That's not to say... I mean, I I toyed with playing Noise last weekend um, because I think it also would have been a good choice. So I'm not saying that Kate is definitely the right choice. It's just the one that I made, and it made sense to me.
0: Playing Noise still feels good. Yeah. like this. There's no problem with that. But what about the uh, Corpse side, guys? Like, as as, uh, I mentioned a moment ago, uh, I've seen... Uh, HB been more successful in the most recent store champs here in Melbourne possibly due to the fact that less people are playing Faust I sort of quote-unquote rage quit playing Food Coats even though I was really enjoying it It's the kind of deck I like to play in favor of playing Near Earth Hub which did go more successfully for me um, Jesse you actually won the most recent store championships with neither of those decks yeah it was I... an old favorite came out from the the woodwork
1: Yeah, I'd been toying with uh, a couple of different damage builds, uh, a PE build that I'm really enjoying and is testing really, really well for me against a lot of the Anarch decks uh, and an Argus deck, which is based on the deck that I took to Nationals last year, uh, just with a couple of additions. I think we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail a little bit later, but um, the basic premise of testing those two decks was that I wanted to try consistent damage decks and I think PE and Argus, both of which have an ID ability that... Delivers you some damage potential on its own are the best ways to go if you're going to be looking to do damage, sort of death of a thousand cuts, sort of situation against a Faust deck. Um, and that, yeah, it did work out okay for me. It actually um, wasn't very good in the elimination rounds and it's quite bad against noise. Um, both Argus and P, I think, can struggle yeah. a little bit against noise, Argus more so than P. Because so
0: many of your pieces are really integral, and just having one of them go away can be hugely problematic for the deck. Is that why?
1: That, uh, so the, the fact that you lose at random your Scorched Earths and your sea sources and things that you want to rely on drawing at some point in the game, you're, not, mm-hmm. you're no longer guaranteed to draw them, which is really annoying. Um, but also the fact that the Argus ability is um, a lot less good against Noise because they can just sort of take the tags later on once they have milled that stuff and they've got rid of your threats from your tags. Like, they know there's a couple of scorched deaths in archives or whatever. It actually doesn't matter to them. They can just take the tags from your ability, whereas PE still at least does them damage. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the rest of the the Corp metagame, I think NEH still stands out for me as the best Corp deck. Um, I think it's the most consistent. It... Does struggle a little bit more against the Haley deck that sort of came out. That's one interesting thing I guess we can mention on the runner side was that there was this sort of Haley either playing um, Chameleon or not playing Chameleon and just playing sort of Cyber Cypher Lady Breakers, but with lots of Scavenge, lots of Clot, um, trying to rush out Cache um, for Economy as well and using Aesop's Pawn Shop. Uh, it was quite a speedy deck, and I think it had a reasonably good matchup against NEH for that reason.
2: Did I? Have you guys encountered that at all? No, I haven't seen the I Hayley have decks seen it a little bit on but yeah. uh, no, I haven't really seen like the com- the decks playing chameleon and the decks not playing chameleon seem to be seem to be built really differently. Or like I don't know whether there's uh, a list that has been doing really well. I suppose is the point.
0: Yeah, my reservation with Haley is always because uh, like you, Jesse, have been playing Kate for so long. If I ever try a Haley deck, I always just think, would this build be better? In Kate, I know that the the efficiency you get of being able to install two things for the one click is good, but that can really hit your economy quite hard. And you can actually, unless you really know what you're doing, can sort of backslap you on the tempo because you're draining your economy just to get that extra click efficiency. Have you tested it at all?
1: I haven't played with it, um, but I can certainly say that playing against it as NEH was quite challenging because of the mixture of Artist Colony, Scavenge, Clot, Clone Chip, just meant that you were pretty much constantly at the Plotted. threat of Clot, yeah. um, under threat of Clot, I should say, um, especially since Haley's ability can also install Clot from hand, which means that uh, even if yeah, they draw so. it, mm. that you're not safe there. So, yeah, yeah. That, that aspect is annoying. It also has a pretty good matchup against the damage decks, particularly Argus, because you're also constantly plascrated. So I think for that reason, those sorts of decks, particularly now with Artist Colony, having access to being able to tutor anything from their deck are quite powerful with the those sort of silver bullet solutions. But you can still beat them by playing a normal game, so... What about other other decks this season? What, what have you thought about NEH from the start to the end, Wilfie? Do you still think it's sort of the most powerful co-op deck? Or yeah. The most versatile, uh, or what, what do you Although think?
2: I think it suffers from a similar problem. I uh, don't know, is this... Like, uh, I don't really want to complain about it too much, but I think it suffers... That's okay, That's
1: okay. say what you think, it's fine. <laughs> it's,
2: no, I know, I know. It, it suffers... I think it suffers from a similar problem that the fork or Anarch Engine decks do that, like, it's really not very interesting to play. I mean, not that the fast decks don't have any relevant decisions, but, uh, for... I guess the reason is a little different, but I think that the your opening three... Your opening hand and your the first two turns, like, playing fast robotics usually decide the game. Like, either you get to... Uh, either, like, in their maybe two or three HQ runs that they can realistically make in the first two turns while still developing they bought bore, their board they steal the agenda that you're trying to score or you score it and from there the game usually like decides itself which i think is fairly fairly frustrating but like i know that choosing not to play a deck because of that factor is like ridiculous and i still and like i still think it's really good even if it feels really bad when that happens. So, yeah, I still think it's a good choice, definitely.
1: So I think one interesting thing that's come out of this season is that we've got these two decks that are probably the most powerful on either side, the the Anarch Engine deck uh, and the Near-Earth Hub deck. But people, as we've discussed, still opt to play other decks, not just because they want to go against the grain, but because um, the other decks below them can be so close in power level that, it's not detrimental to your overall performance to do it. But also the card pool is so broad now and so interesting that it's quite fun to explore different options and not just be playing the same linear strategies every single tournament. Um, And I think that's good for the health of the game that we are just able to do that because these most powerful strategies aren't too far ahead. But I think it would be nice if there were a few more options that were pushed a little bit harder um to I don't know, broaden out the decks that are available for people to choose from if they do want to do well at tournaments. Yeah. I still think there's a bit of space there. What do you think?
2: Uh yeah, I've been working on a Polana Foods, I guess, Ginteki control deck. Just like trying to use all the good Ginteki control cards. Like my uh Jin, my dot net and this that's very confusing. <laughs> um Yeah. My uh I guess yeah, I guess I've been trying to work on a Polana Foods deck, which just uses all the good control cards in the faction that is. Uh, my Jinteki.net deck builder screen is just filled with trying to build this deck in like different identities, basically. I have an Industrial Genomics deck, a Biotech deck, a Polana Foods deck, which just all try and do the same thing. And like, it's really hard, even though there's because even though those cards are good, if you're trying to make the game go long, you just seed so much if your Anarch Engine opponent has like Wild Cakes, Pancake, Wild Cakes before turn three or whatever. Just like, it's a completely different game. And so trying to maintain a resource advantage, like as the game goes long is okay if they don't find those two cards for a while, but if they find them early, then. Basically, any attempt to control their resources has no chance, I think.
0: So speaking of trying to be a bit different and innovative, Jesse, how about we talk about your Argus list from the weekend?
2: So, yeah,
1: as I said earlier, this is based on the list that I took to Nationals last year, reasonably unsuccessfully, mm-hmm. um, but it is a deck that I really enjoy playing a lot, and you did a great write-up of it, Brian, on Netrunner DB, which I'm sure <laughs> we can link in the show notes. Yeah,
0: we'll link to that. How is it fair? Is it still fair or not?
1: Yeah. Uh, it's pretty much unfair every game. It's either unfair to you as the person playing it, or it's unfair <laughs> to your opponent. Uh, yeah. Um, it, it's a lot of fun. So the, the basis of the deck is that you are rushing out agendas as soon as possible on the board, but your agendas could also be snares and dedicated response teams, so it's reasonably risky for your opponent to be running them early. Um, you obviously need money to be able to fuel all of those threats, Um, so you have beanstalk royalties and hedge funds as your operation economy. And then you've also got agendas that try and give you a bit of money as well. So the key agendas are hustle takeover, which is one of my most common first turn plays is to score a hustle takeover because going up to 10 credits is nice. Um, and having an agenda point, um, so you got hustle takeover, profiteering, and geothermal fracking that can give you a lot of money early. Uh, Gear Hands Arcology is also decent at giving you a little bit of money but it never quite feels as good as any of those others. Uh, and then you've got Project Atlas, which is good just as a never advanced three for two uh, because points are one of the key ways to put pressure on your opponent, which I'll come to a little bit later. Um, and then you've got the Future Is Now, which can help you to find your next agenda that you want or a snare or dedicated response team or a sea source or scorch piece that you need. Um, Future is now is probably the, the last agenda um, in terms of inclusions. And it's one that I would change out if there was another good econ agenda that I wanted to play. Um, so that's, I guess, the economy side of things. Uh, and then you've got the package of yeah three snares, three, de- three dedicated response teams, which is, I guess, your remote threat package. You've got a Corporate Town, which can just randomly slow the game down against... Well, not randomly. It can just slow the game down against uh, Wild Cake's decks or any other deck that's relying on resources. Uh, there's a Shattered Remains, which I've included since the last iteration of the list because before having that in there anything you advanced in a remote was always an agenda so having something that you can install and advance in a remote that's not an agenda and is a very relevant threat is good you also generally couldn't kill people very easily after they have had a plascrete that's the obvious use of shattered remains is getting rid of plascrete and that's a nice option to have as well um in terms of using these remote threats and sort of landing them the best way to do that is by having agenda point pressure on your opponent. So if you can get up to four or five agenda points early, uh, generally by scoring an atlas that's never advanced, so you've just installed it in amongst some other things, your opponent hasn't run it and you've scored it for two points, uh, and then having a couple of the one-pointers scored, whether it's hostile takeovers or profiteerings, you can get up to four or five points reasonably quickly. And once you're there, your opponent really has to start running your remotes. uh, So if you've got, and install Advanced Shattered Remains, they sort of have to go for it, at which point, hopefully, you can threaten them with the Seesaw Scorch Kill as well. Um, Similarly, with Snare and Dedicated Response Team, they sort of have to go there. And if they're a Faust deck, the Snare Dedicated Response Team threat is actually quite real. Um, And how you sort of make sure you land it is by killing their wild cakes engine with your corporate town to try and stop them from starting the turn on seven cards is an important piece, but also having um, ice on your remote that is a little bit taxing on Faust. So the ice suite is two archer, which were, I think we had two in there before, maybe it was just one, but there's two archer in there, which are really important either to have on R&D to safeguard against medium or to have on your remote to help you push through the larger agendas or the agendas later in the game. Um, Because you often find that once you do get to four or five points and you're forcing your opponent to run your remotes, you have to also sometimes be able to score agendas even once they are running your remotes uh, and having larger ice like Archer allows you to do that. There's also two Data Raven which are included. What happened with the influence mix, I guess, is we've gone from two mid-seasons, which was eight influence, down to two C source and two data raven to sort of split that tagging pressure and data raven is really good with dedicated response team it's really good with agendas early because threatening two tags or a tag and two meat damage from your agendas and your argus ability combined with the data raven um is quite a good threat to be able to place early on a runner um in terms of them removing two tags or them copying two meat damage and taking a tag and then removing it is quite a tempo setback for them, especially if you're only sort of threatening to give them one point. Uh, then you've got ice wall, paper wall, condry, which are just cheap gear check ice that you can get them with early sometimes, um, and if they're not playing fast, you can obviously use them to your advantage as well to force some gear checks and keep your opponent's money a little bit drained. There's then a Chrysium grid, which can help with um, sort of eat a keyhole siphon strategies. Because one way that you can really fail with this deck is if you don't have money. So defending against siphon can be quite important.
0: Chrysium's been good for you, obviously?
1: Uh, not really, but. No? No, nah, I just haven't played against any siphon decks, which has been nice.
0: Okay, that's good. Is it just an effort siphon, or is it because I, when I played this deck, or the variation that we played during Nationals last year, um, one of the biggest pains in the ass was. Uh, getting Keyhole to death, and yeah. for that reason, we, we had uh, Wall of uh, Around, yep. uh, which obviously has been cut now for the Data Raven, so that hasn't come up just because Keyhole isn't, as, isn't in the meta as much, or.
1: Yeah, basically. Keyhole isn't yeah. in the meta as much. Um, but
0: but you're good that you got the answer to it with Chrisium Grid.
1: Yeah. Nice to have the Chrisium if you can manage to draw it against Keyhole. Uh, but Data Raven's also pretty good against either Keyhole, like if they're just taking heaps of tags. But then your Scorched earth can just get trashed. But, yeah, I mean... Yeah, yeah. It's obviously not a great matchup. <laughs> you have to get lucky
0: at some point. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything you'd be looking at changing, Jesse? Or is everything still working quite nicely for you? Uh,
1: yeah, like I said, against... This deck... Okay. The, the thought process you have to go through when choosing to play this over Near Earth Hub is that there are some games with any Corp deck where the runner's going to be playing a strategy or get into a situation where it's very, very difficult for you to win. And you're going to get into that situation with this deck a lot, and you just at that point have to play to your outs and not get too flustered. Um, and sometimes you will get so far behind that it's you know 99% that your opponent's going to win, which sucks. But you can mitigate that by being more aggressive early and by you know, focusing on the core things that you need, which is money. Like, you absolutely have to have money to be able to threaten anything with this deck. So being careful with that, the other thing you need to be able to threaten to kill them in the sort of middle of the game when they're setting up because you're forcing them to set up but they haven't got infinite money... Um, is you need agenda points to be forcing them to run and forcing them to keep interacting with you rather than just doing what they want to do. So try to be disruptive and trying to force them to make runs they don't want to and also making sure you have money, I think, are the key things with this deck. But um, sometimes you can't do one of those things and that can be frustrating, but that's the same as when you're playing an NEH deck and they can just sometimes hit heaps of agendas on R&D and you can lose or yeah. they can have a clot and you just can't score your things and you can't find your cyber decks and you lose. It happens in any deck. Yeah, um, but it can feel pretty debilitating when you feel like you know you haven't got great ice, and they're running all your remotes, and you've got a handful of agendas. And what do you do? Yeah, that happens sometimes. But there's mm-hmm. also a lot of situations where you can put them in situations they feel uncomfortable in.
0: Uh, just lastly, before we wrap up, we wanted to talk about the TWA League, the Melbourne Netrunner League that we ran here uh, over the past couple of months. Uh, it's been pretty good. We all played in it. Did everyone had a good time? Uh, Jesse, I think we all did yes. we top aided. Yes, yes, you did. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's good times.
0: Yeah, how did you guys find the uh, the, the meta where people ch- because in our league uh, you can change your your deck in between each round? Uh, did you find that people were playing you know competitive things or were they playing you know interesting things because they could play- change their deck every week? I had a bit of a mixed experience in that. What about you guys?
2: Oh, uh, I guess it was, it's a little different from a tournament in the sense that. It lasted for so long that we got to see multiple uh, packs be released, or at least one pack be released. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. goda Um, which causes some sort of artificial change in that you know new cards are legal and new decks are good and people want to try out the new decks and see how they're going. Um, so that I think caused some change, but I think mostly the progression of what people were playing was natural in the sense that it followed what uh you know was generally seen to be good. I didn't see anyone who kind of stuck to the same thing even though it suddenly ha- had not been so good. I think most people were fairly um
1: adaptive.
2: Yeah, adaptive. That's the good way to put it.
1: Cool. Yeah, I mean that was my experience. It was a it was a fun league thanks to everyone who participated. We had I think over 20 people. Yeah, it was about um,
0: 25 or something,
1: I think. And it was a lot of fun. Ran it over the summer. It's a good way to fill in the downtime afterwards before Store Champs start up again. So if you're thinking about running a league, as always, get in touch with us and we're happy to chat to you about the format we use.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was a really great time. I think everyone had fun. We got some cool prizes together. Uh, Yos truly picked up a Data Sucker. That's my... One of three now, so now I have to go out and spend like a hundred dollars mm-hmm. getting two other ones. Although obviously, so yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. otherwise, yeah. <laughs> like it's just like a waste of a card, right? Oh, what am I gonna do? Um, but yeah, it was it was a great time, and I think everyone had a yeah had a good time. We'll probably run another one probably toward the end of the year. I think. Oh, yeah,
2: no, afterwards no, again. No, I'm sure we locked into it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 I said it. <laughs>
0: Um, no, I think the uh, the <coughs> the sand-sand circuit should fill in quite a bit of that downtime as well, hopefully.
1: Yeah, and I think for us, it's always a good way to be able to get some fun and interesting prizes out into the community too, like getting those data suckers back out there. And uh, I think we had our good friend, Judge Thomas Daniel, um, chucking a Project Beal mat into the prize yes, pool. Yes, the,
0: the Swamp King uh, dredged that up from the bottom of the bog. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, uh, and co- had- Crushed Guava himself is now parading that around Europe, I believe.
1: Yes, so. lucky winner, Crushed Guava. Yeah, the co- well, co- co-winner. Co-winner. Co-winner,
0: Uh So uh, myself and Crushed Guava were in the final. And uh, because we were dra- drafting the prizes, uh, we were talking and he said he wanted the Beel Mat, which I didn't want. And I wanted the Data Cycle, which he didn't want. So we didn't want to waste anyone's time. So we just shook hands and we are co-champions of the... <laughs> winning a gender league
2: oh no that's good uh that makes sense that if you guys wanted different things there's no real need to fight for who gets to pick the thing that they want you didn't fight it out for the glory
0: No, no, we're already pretty glorious people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I think the next thing that we're all really looking forward to is the uh, Sand Sand Circuit. Just a reminder to all you Australian players and store owners out there the uh, Send an Aussie, sorry, the Support Australian Netrunner Send an Aussie North. ANRPC circuit that we're running in Australia. We've already got uh, two stores locked in and another range of stores have already expressed interest. Uh so we're running the qualifiers from uh July through starting April through to July. Um and if you're a store owner who's interested in running one, send us an email at the winningagenda at gmail.com. And if you're a player whose store is not yet uh, locked in for a qualifier, Do get in touch with them and ask them to send us an email. It's a really interesting format. The ANRPC format is that we are trying to give a second option for people to get to Worlds if they're interested. We know it's a long way for all you Australian players uh, to get from Australia to the northern US uh, to Minnesota so we're trying to give you an option an opportunity to do that other than winning the national championships and the way you can do it through the sand sand circuit is by winning a qualifier which will if you come in the top three places in any qualifier you get an invite to the australian finals to the sand sand circuit finals and at the finals the top two players will split a considerable cash prize between them uh so if you are good and skilled and lucky and happy enough to reach the top two in the uh sand sand circuit finals then you will be sharing in a significant cash prize which hopefully you can use to help get yourself across to minnesota for worlds
0: <coughs> excellent and uh if you want to get in contact with us about the sand sand circuit or literally anything else you can do so at the winning agenda at gmail.com you can send us a tweet on twitter you can quote us Uh, at Winning Agenda and you can go like our page on Facebook which is The Winning Agenda so until next Monday guys thank you so much for tuning in we'll see you then thanks for listening
1: see ya thanks guys